Ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between, welcome to Kinky and Geeky, an educational, conversational, entertainment um, all podcast for all things, well, geeky and kinky. We're your hosts, I'm Fox. And I'm Loki. We're both members of different and overlapping kink and nerd communities. Be warned, this podcast contains subjects of an adult and sexual nature. So if you're not of legal age or if it's illegal for you to listen to this because you're Amish or incarcerated or whatever, please turn this off now. So, what are we talking about today? Practical DS relationships. That's it. <laughs> you two chuckle, but honestly, of all the people that I've met and happen to think are fabulous, you guys have the most practical application of a dominant-submissive relationship. Aww. Oh, that's cute. You know what's hilarious <laughs> is that we, we actually get that kind of a lot, which I find bizarre because we will go places we'll hang with people after a while and they always sort of comment on our dynamic um they also have a bad habit of um of giving me credit for her being a good submissive <laughs> which aside from being presumptuous is slightly insulting to her she came kind of pre-awesomed so uh before we get too deep into this uh our listeners already know uh loki and i here but uh with us today, we have the promised uh, Maximo Hottentot <laughs> and Tiddy Von Suckle, PhD. Thank you. <laughs> that will never stop tickling me. <laughs> it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Yeah. That, that's my, my parents were hippies. <laughs> oh. My parents were Honda off-road fans. <laughs> Anyways. And, and, and your parents were fond of the Norse myths. Yeah, there you go. Yes, of course they were. Um, but not very good at spelling. Nope, not at all. Well, you can't have everything. No. Remember, my dad's only a third grade teacher. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's almost oh. as bad as the thoughts I was having last night getting off Bart with the Girl I'm, Scouts I'm, selling, do you want to buy some Girl Scout nuts and going, I'm a bad human being for the things that I'm thinking right now. I might cut out Bart. Why? It's because that way it's just the thoughts I was having last night when I was getting off on the Girl Scouts. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Uh, you do that, I kill you. Quality editing. Remember, we're supposed to be promoting the fact that we are not pedophiles. Uh, yes. Oh! I'm glad we started that earlier. <laughs> I have no idea where this podcast is going to go. 
It's going to be the podcast of awesome. It is, and and we're quite possibly the drunk cast. But yeah, there, there's liquor earlier than usual. <laughs> if you keep hearing the ice clinking in our glasses, yeah, I guess we can we can Salud. start off with this. Uh, so we, we've we've named our poisons before uh, today. I think three of us here are on uh, some delicious four. Caucasians. Four, four. So. <laughs> Caucasians. Oh. White Russians. Oh, Caucasian is another name for a nice. Russian. Nice. Okay. Learn something. Um, and then I'm drinking straight bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> like I generally always do. All very Unless we're mixing things. Whaler rum and Coke. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm assuming you guys haven't had a chance to uh, listen to any previous episodes yet, but we... I have actually well, heard okay. one of them so far. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've got a little bit of a format. We try to kind of catch up and, and, you know, figure out who we are before digging into the uh, subject at hand. So we uh, generally forget who we are. Yeah. Week to week. It's hard to fill all three hours if you don't do everything up front. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're fluctuating and evolving, there's always updates. Yeah. Um, so what have you been up to? Uh, work. 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 Work? Yeah, unfortunately, that, that's pretty much been mine, too. <laughs> oh, and I've then Avengers buried. Gag Reel. Uh, you, you finally got around to watching yeah, it. Yeah, and it's awesome. It is. <laughs> it's worth the, like, 15 minutes or however long it is. I don't even think it's actually that long. It's probably only, like, 10, if that. Yeah, and what, what I haven't spent working, I've actually been playing uh, uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, the, the new Need for Speed from Criterion. Nice. Um, which led to a bad moment driving into work the other day because the way that you get new cars is you you beat them in a race and then you take them down which means you drive along beside them and you drive somebody off the road once you've driven them off the road you get to drive in their car and i I got up a little early so i played a race and i (laughs) beat the i beat the corvette in the race and then i Drove to work, and just as we were starting to get into traffic, Corvette of the same color pulled up next to me in the lane, <laughs> and there was this brief moment of like, if I swerve now, I can drive the Corvette to work. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Prius, Corvette. If only that worked in real life. <laughs> However, if that were the case, I could change my face at will. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys do for fun? Other than each other. Uh, well, uh, mostly, mostly kinky stuff. Yeah. I mean, you've got a hell of a creation space here. Yes. Well, we are we are very crafty, but we um, our our struggle is one of time at all times. So between uh, working and socializing, uh, the crafting does not get as much time as we would like. We we have built a nice little sewing space recently, but. We haven't actually sewed yet. Um, I've made a couple of toys uh, the other day. Oh my god! So I, I was looking <laughs> through. I was looking through one of our. I think it was the JT uh, Stockroom catalog. Yeah. And I was looking at the canes and I was sort of like, oh, how hard are these to make? And I have a bunch of tools in the craft section of yeah. our, our fine establishment. And so I just whipped one out, and they're really easy to make. First off, but second off, 
I found while I was looking through the lumber that we have all these super like 18 inch long paint stirrers. Yeah. And if you glue three of them <laughs> together and laminate them and then sand the sides, it makes a mean little toy. Nice. I know. That's excellent. For free. You know. Thank you, Home Depot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, laminating, uh, lamination in woodwork is, uh, w- when I took like wood shop back in like junior high, that was the thing that made me go like, oh, this is how woodwork works. It's not just, you know, cut a shape and you're done. It's, it's all about the laminate. Yes. It's like magic. Um, but otherwise we mostly just drink and... I mean, we hang out at home a lot. We we need a lot of downtime, a lot of cuddle time. Cuddle time is really important to us. Oh yeah, that's true. And well, uh, but we usually try to schedule everything, or else we don't make time for it. So we live by the Google Calendar. And we live by the Google Calendar. <laughs> it's it's a it's a good way to go. I find myself drifting more and more towards uh, scheduling all of my events instead of my usual haphazard ways, which have not been serving me well recently. I'm we're trying that. Uh, we're attempting that, but it's, I don't know, not working out. Is it working out? Well, we're not using Google Calendar. We have, like, an actual calendar. Dry erase board <laughs> calendar. Well, after I double booked my uh, a visit from my vanilla ex-wife on the same weekend as Folsom a couple years ago, <laughs> that was that was when I went solidly onto the Google That's Calendar. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're pre- we're, we are pretty solid on the calendar, the blonde and I. Who is here? She just hasn't spoken up yet. She's going to be quiet for now. She's our uh, studio uh, audience. Even her high is like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> just get some more booze in her and she'll chime in. Sweet. Or get on a topic she feels passionate about. I was about. taught if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And in regards to the calendar, I don't really have anything nice to say right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Learn, um, learn to love the calendar. So, so there's I love a, the calendar. There's a couple of questions like I said, we've been we try. <laughs> There's a couple of questions we've been building as the standards on the show, I think. So, um, why the hell are you here? Uh, we live here. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. What are you doing here? <laughs> um, you Excellent know, answer. It, we, we've, got you, we've got you on to talk about the, the DS lifestyle, but, uh, you know, uh, why should our listeners care? We've um, just been doing this for two weeks and thought it was neat and wanted to talk about it. Well, we've we've been twenty four seven dynamic for uh, a dash over three years now. Um, people seem fond of our dynamic. I, I I hesitate to say that anyone should actually listen to us for the simple reason that I am one of the many people who is adamant about the "there's no right way to do it" thing. Well, that's, that's one thing that I, I've at least tried to – we've pushed on this uh, podcast so far is that what we're speaking of here is anecdote. We're talking about personal experiences. We're talking about the way that we came to things. I mean, if we yeah. can, we can reference outside. And, you know, I try to find links and specific references if we're going for that. But, yeah, I, I think we should try to keep it clear that what we're talking about here is very much our experiences. It's things that work for individuals that – are not necessarily the things that will work for you, the listener, so much as maybe places to start thinking, jumping off points. Well, maybe um, I can explain, and hopefully, sir, you can help me out since this might sound a little cocky, but one of our basic things uh, about our dynamic and about what we prefer is sincerity. Like, everything about our dynamic, if it's not sincere, then it's 
just doesn't turn us on. So from the very beginning, when we started getting involved in the community, we felt embraced by the community, but we also saw that there were a lot of people who prefer public play over private play. And uh, we always kind of came at it from private, if there's no private basis for it, and if that's not strong and if it's not sincere, then there's no real point to branching out into the public. We were sort of saying don't do it for show is really what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's some of what people like. I guess the, the answer to your question is uh, why are we here? I, I love talking to people about their dynamics. I like to hear about how people approach dynamics. I like to see what they do and why they do it, even if it's something that I hate, even if they're Gorian. Sorry, Gore people. Um, I, I'm still fascinated. I don't always agree with it or understand it, but I find it all super, super interesting. So I guess uh, we're here because dynamics are just fun to talk about, and we have one. Awesome. Um, I do think our road to getting here has been a unique one as well. Yeah, I'll go with that. That's mostly why I asked to have you guys on, because you guys do have such an interesting story and an interesting experience of your own, because it is very much so a... I'm right there with Maximo in that it is very much so... There is no right way to do something. Everyone's going to have their own way. And see from the outside, seeing you guys come through this road and having that is inspiring as well as um, interesting and well, intriguing. I, I think, I think interestingly, the one of the trickiest things about having uh, a, a, a DS relationship in some ways is that there's less of a template, although there are plenty of templates, but I think there's less of a template of how you're supposed to do it. I mean, when you're vanilla, you're supposed to, you know, you, you date and then you marry and then you have babies and there's the picket fence and there's all that crap. Um, none of which interests me. Uh, <laughs> but when you're kinky there, I mean, you, you, you know, are you a, a slave? Are you a sub? Are you a pet? Are, are you an object? Are you an animal? Um, are you, Total power exchange, do you give up some the things? Niches. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a, you can be a thousand different kinds of submissive, you can be a thousand different kinds of top, you can be a thousand different kinds of switch, you can just be a masochist, you can, there's so many ways to do it that there's no real, there's no real roadmap in some ways for, for what you should do next to even sort of give some people a foothold onto, like, how do I start or where do I go from here? How do I get from point A to point B? And I think that's both the beauty of it and kind of the challenge to it is that it's very much about looking into yourself and saying, all right, um, do I do I want to have no rights? Do I want to, you know, be a piece of office furniture for the next few years? It's, it's really sort of a, a question you have to sort out on your own, and that's the only way to get it right. And, and I think that's wonderful and tricky. Even as someone like me who has a suffering fetish, having that much introspection and existentialist um, – what, what do I call it? Existentialist, like, pain all the time yeah. sometimes. It's, it's overwhelming at times, but it's, it's part of the draw is you get to know yourself so well. Well, well let's take a step back um, because definitely part of what we're talking about here is that everybody's – well, everybody's relationship uh, and specifically everybody's DS relationship is sort of unique. So what is the – what is the dynamic that you have now, and mm -hmm. is that the dynamic that you built initially, or is this a dynamic that has 
uh, evolved over the course of your relationship? Well, I guess I should give a little brief history, maybe. Go for it. We we met uh, about 15 years ago. We met and dated about 15 years ago. Yeah. The first time. And um, my sir was my first serious partner. And yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did not know text. anything about DS. I didn't know anything about kink, poly, nothing. I deflowered her. And um, But I, in turn, corrupted him mm. by pretty much being of the attitude that, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Let's, I'm game. I'm game. And that um, kind of scared him because he was scared of himself and his evil. I, yes, I was. Uh, I had not yet made peace with my evil when I when I first met her, and she was um, uh, more emotional and s- more than a little codependent at the time. And so my uh, initial phobia that I would um, crush her and her spirit and her personhood underneath the boot heel of my own whim. Uh, was was strong and terrifying, so we dated for a while, and then I moved away uh, anyway, and so then we stopped dating, uh, and then we each had uh, respective um, decade-long relationships, vanilla relationships with other people uh, that um, ended of their own accord. And, uh, well, you already had a feeling that I was a service submissive, and that uh, bothered you. The mm. fact that I wanted to take care of you and take care of domestic things, that really disturbed you. Yeah, it's weird how quickly I got over that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when we got back together, that was kind of already in place. And then all of a sudden, I'd get this urge to do something for him, and then all of a sudden, that became just part of our routine. And then you'd all of a sudden get an interest in something, and then that would become like part of our impact play. And just like... We just we're so complimentary that way. Well, I think I think a lot of people do it this way, but I, the way that we built our dynamic was not to um, not with the intent of having a dynamic. We mm-hmm. just uh, we have a lot of overlapping interests. Um, some needs. of our some of our kinks we were not aware were kinks until later on. Yeah, uh, we have uh, one of the foundational elements of our dynamic is um, body worship that takes the form of uh, personal grooming a lot of the time. Uh, she likes to uh, tend to me and and trim me and give me facials and clip my fingernails and do all sorts of maintenance things on me. Manny Petty. <laughs> and, yeah, shave your head, tend all to your that. laundry. No one touches his laundry. Yes, uh, she will cut you. Um, but uh, <laughs> we didn't. We weren't even cognizant of that as a, a, as a kink element of our relationship. It was just something that we enjoyed until uh, one, of our, one of our friends um, was talking to us very casually one day while we were in the car with her. She said, you know, I never thought of, of grooming as body worship until I saw you guys do it. And we were like, oh, shit, we never thought of grooming as body worship either until right this second. <laughs> but that's one of our one of our core things. We are built on um, uh, service uh, and body worship mostly, and to some degree my love of humiliation, but mostly service and body worship. Which is kind of unique to us, but we also do things like impact play. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and, but you do that as well with other people. But that's kind of our special thing. And I think that's something that's important to uh, kind of bring to the fore is that, like you you mentioned, uh, a, a joy found in pain before, but that some people sort of assume that that's the sum total of it and just take pain as physical pain. 
but that the the emotional dynamic, the psychological dynamic, can be just as much a part of that uh, pain and pleasure build and release uh, that that it does that it can feed into all of these other parts of a relationship. Well, the emotional masochism piece, that was kind of a surprise mm. to you. That That's only come, like, in the last year or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, I, I think one of the interesting things about her for me is that, um, as a top, I've played with people who are masochists in the sense that the being hit is good. Like, I've, I've known people, I've played with people that can come... More easily from being hurt than from being fucked or whatever. Like their 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 quickest road to coming is me hitting them with a big stick. Um, there are other people that just like it a lot. It just feels really nice. It it makes them happy, and, and it to some degree it it makes her happy. But for her, it's more about uh, the suffering. That's why I think she has a suffering fetish because she. Not that she enjoys it per se, but she enjoys living through it. Enduring it. Enduring it. And sometimes, like, even when you're hitting me really hard, if I'm about to break apart, all of a sudden I'll regain the strength because I want to, I like, it's kind of silly. I push back with my back. Like, if I'm on a St. Andrews course, I'm pushing back with my back, like, as if I, that's really going to fight the flogger. She fights me. <laughs> and he can totally tell that that's what I'm doing. I brought it up one day. I'm like, by the way, you know, I'm trying to fight you back by just, like, standing more, um, you know, straight up and yeah, she likes kind to, of a silly she thing. Likes to hit my fist with her face sometimes. Yes, <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a really interesting part of the dynamic and and that awareness that self awareness I think is is what a lot of people that are maybe coming to this for the first time might might lack and might really be in need of is that that difference between like pain can be fun and this is how I react to it and this is what I like out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that is that something that came to you early? Is that something that you sought out? Is that something that uh, you kind of workshopped? I mean, how did you come to that self awareness? Well, we we are in a really interesting position. She she is uh, an interesting bottom for me in the sense uh, that she was she was the first uh, real serious regular play partner that I had where I got to sort of experiment and explore and and try things out on and and she gives um, always has and continues to give really good feedback I sometimes uh, will will uh, hold on I want to pause there and just say that again because I think that's one of the most important things that we've covered before yes she gives really good feedback yeah yes <laughs> when you're learning to be a top you need a, a bottom that isn't afraid to give you feedback as a submissive part of if you're a new top and whether you're playing with a new bottom or an experienced bottom, if you guys want to end up really having an exceptionally dirty, good time, you need to find a happy place as a submissive, uh, to feel empowered to speak up and you need to find a happy place as a top Mm. to take that feedback without feeling like you're not, um, a, a true dominate master uh, who can't take <laughs> advice. And that's probably less likely to happen in a public if you're constantly publicly playing, don't you think? Well, no, you can... We could easily have a scene in public, uh, go in there in super formal protocol, um, do the scene, stay in protocol the whole time, and then on the drive home, 
uh, decompress about it. We could we could talk on the way home. It it isn't exactly the same. Although we even have hand signals for in the middle of play, that's I true. can you know. Well, that's because we're classy. Because rule number one, make your dom look good. Well, that's our rule number one anyway. <laughs> but no, uh, sometimes I, I will train other tops using her as a stunt bottom. They'll come over and we'll go over techniques and we'll talk about things and I'll say this is you know something to look for and then she will sort of say like this is good. This is you're hitting me in the spine too much. You need to. One of the things you can't tell if you're flogging, for instance, and you're doing like the figure eight with flogging, is your forehand and your backhand mm. will hit at different volumes and um, use different areas. I tend to use a much broader area on my forehand than on my backhand. So when I first started flogging, I would make her red because I would keep hitting the exact same spot on my backhand the entire time. And my forehand would be great. And if I could have evened that out, she could have gone longer. But there's no way to know that as a top unless you have a bottom who will communicate with you. And so I was able to um, to concentrate more on my backhand stroke when I was doing the figure eight with the flogger and make it more like my forehand stroke so that I could extend the play before I broke her. And you need a good bottom for that. Should I give out my booking number? <laughs> well, I think one of the things that we've talked about before with, with the, the DS is the importance of communication and uh, not encouraging topping from the bottom, but definitely encouraging the uh, shared awareness and the ability to communicate what's good, what's bad. Uh, a lot of that we talk about, especially for beginners, is, is the negotiation before a scene. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm a huge negotiator. I'm obsessed with negotiating. And one of the things that I've pushed is that negotiation can be just as much fun, just as much a part of building a scene as the scene itself. I use it as foreplay. I, I negotiate, um, frequently I negotiate by email because I, I am, a, as a top, and not everyone tops this way, but as a top, I am a very serious planner. I spend, sorry to clarify, you're talking about playing with other people. Playing with other people. We, our negotiation oh. was like a slow, long Please, process. Yes. Yeah. Well, once one has built a long-term relationship, yeah. the, the negotiation process sort of changes, I, I think, in the same way. But uh, in, in terms of starters, which is because part mm. of the idea of this podcast is that we're talking to people that aren't necessarily you know long and experienced. Yes. Yeah. So even if you're with somebody that you've been in a long-term relationship with, I think that negotiation still takes on that same characteristic of a new negotiation. It does. It's just it's just much briefer. Sometimes I will... Frequently I will think of things and I will know just off the cuff how she will feel about them because I've done so many terrible things to her uh, over the years that I have a sense of what she likes and what she doesn't like. But sometimes I will think of something new and different and exciting and I will make some sort of judgment about um, whether to give her a heads up beforehand or not, uh, depending on, on my level of uncertainty about it. But I also know yes, we, do. we have a lot of, of trust in our safe words and in communicating things that aren't working in the moment and that not spoiling a scene. So for, um, for her, it's it's... It's easy to know from my point of view that if I'm doing something that's terrible that she will let me know in some fashion and that, that doesn't mean we're going to be done for the evening. Sometimes sometimes I do shit because I think it's going to be funny. And um, sometimes it is. Uh, sometimes I'm surprised and it's awesome, but, you know. 
you know, that's actually a point that I, I think I have to reiterate from, from my own personal experiences. If you can't laugh with your significant <laughs> other, there's already a, a problem there. I would even argue that if you, are a, if you are a top and you're playing with anybody and you can't laugh at something that you did that was dumb and funny, if not as long as it's not dangerous, but if you just if you just actually make an ass of yourself, you need to be able to laugh about that. If you're, if you're too much of a top to think that you're a, a looking like a fool when you're looking like a fool, then you've got problems. And actually, I think now that I hadn't thought of it in this way before, but it, if I keep my sense of humor, that's probably the one key thing to keep me from topping from the bottom. Whenever I start topping from the bottom, that's because I'm getting cranky or I'm allowing my it's like this bad mood to come out of nowhere and, and grow out of control. As soon as I catch it and I get the sense of humor, I remember this is my sir, I trust him, we're having fun, I, I stop topping from the bottom and I communicate a little more clearly. Plus, I will just smack you harder. <laughs> uh, but no, since since we're talking about new people, one of the things that I like to tell the new people that I, I deal with is um, I I like to negotiate by email um, for a lot of reasons. One is that I have a lot of time because I plan. Um, but I also find that it, it it works as a sort of foreplay for me. I have, I, I have a, a kind of a template that I work from, and I, I'll email it to my new partners, and they will fill it out. And then based on their response... I'll start to get a notion of what I want to do with them, and then I'll start sending them like little follow-up questions that are... They won't get the sense that I'm narrowing in on something, but they won't get a sense of what it is, but they know that something bad is going to happen. <laughs> and, and it builds a sense of anticipation between when I start talking to them a month before we play, or whatever it is, and the time when I actually have uh, a time in my schedule to actually play with them, I can build all of this horrible anticipation about the things that I might do to them. And negotiation is great for that. So you're planting the seeds in their brain. You, you can negotiate and mind fuck simultaneously if you do it right. <laughs> and my understanding is Maximo is excellent at the mind fucking. From what I've seen. I do loves it. Yeah. I do loves it. Oh, the other day you mind fucked with me and I read it because you were making fun of Shira. Yes. I got her to this place in her head where I mocked Shira and she read it out of anger. It was great. It was not funny. Was not As funny. in Shira, Princess, Princess of, of Power. Power. Shira, Princess of Power. Yeah, she was. She was actually on, on this couch, and uh, a friend of ours was here, and I was I was hitting her and sort of tormenting her, and I was steering her in her head to this place he that I knew existed. My pride. And then I mocked one of her her childhood icons. Uh, uh, too I, much. I think I said that Shira. I told you to, to stop being a baby and, and act like Shira or something. Anyway, and you got angry. <laughs> and you could not have been happier. Oh, well, it was what I was going for. It's like you know, I got I got the prize I was after. It was fantastic. <laughs> Which and you tried me. to say you weren't geeky. Oh, yeah, that's no, as I mean, geeky as I go. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think that's as geeky as I go. Is. <laughs> When when that's as geeky as you go is Shira, Princess of Power. You've gone pretty geeky. Oh, tell me your wow. holy trinity, darling. Oh, I have an '80s holy trinity of uh, Gem, um, Shira, and uh, the '80s band rock set. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you don't fuck with any of them. Gem and the holograms. Yeah, yeah. rock they, set they, is the Holy Spirit. They made they made new Gem dolls, and I actually sent her the the link the other day because I was, I was looking at the new Gem, the revised. Current it's gem not dolls. a bad revision. Oh God, are they bringing Jim back? Apparently, yeah. Oh. The eighties won't stop. 
are is the what was the rival band? Oh, oh, oh we are the no. misfits. Our misfits. songs are better. Oh my the, god, we yeah. are the misfits. We're gonna get her. Are, do the misfits still sleep with everybody? Uh, <laughs> I hope so. So if you've Somewhere ever off the strip in Las Vegas, if you've ever been curious and you want to get like the the twenty minute primer on Jem uh, and. Uh, the the misfits and and that interaction uh look up the nostalgia chick and i'll put a link to it in the notes but she did a review on gem (laughs) and uh pretty much does this breakdown of what the plot is on any given episode and apparently the plot is pretty much uh gem and the holograms come in they're gonna play a show the misfits come in they sleep with everybody and then gem and the hologram beats the misfits up uh musically Musically. Wow! So and, they're and gems, kind of gem and the hologram are kind of cock blockers. They're musical. Well, they're not good at it, but <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah. attempting the cock block after the fact. They're, yes. they're, they're, they're all about the revenge. So they're they're like the they're like the angry girl who wanted to fuck the guys, but they got the misfits got there first. Right. It's How awesome would it have been, by the way? Now that I think about it, if the actual band, the Misfits, had done a cover cover of Any of We the Are the Misfits. <laughs> oh my god! Um, my I'd head just exploded. Wouldn't be surprised if they had. I, I pray to God if anyone if anyone out there has any knowledge of this happening and a recording, I would pay good money. To but you know, email us at uh, yeah podcast they, at kinkygeeky dot com and. Uh, <laughs> but if they were all in a horror movie, the Misfits would die first because they're whores. And that's true, Jen, but. But Maybe they, still a virgin? But they should. No, because no, she's hot. fucking the music the executive. Guy, yeah. yeah, okay, sorry. I should know that. I should know and that. And they said they weren't geeky. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to read, <laughs> reading about Ashira, uh, yeah. I guess something for, new for beginners Wait, what is... What you said? Reading? Red. Yeah. Reading. Red. What do you call red? Like a safe word. When you safe word over Shira. ra <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess something for beginners that even took me a few years to get over is the idea that saying your safe word or saying red is okay. It's not that you are a submissive who has failed. Every new submissive feels like a failure when you're red. I don't know why that is. Because you want to be the super submissive that takes as much as the other person that you saw at the dungeon or or you want to please your your dominant by taking everything that they want to put out on you. But sometimes I want you to red and it pleases me when you do it. Well, one of the things that... uh, that, that actually draw me drew me to doing this in the first place is uh, knowing people that had only gotten into it through like Fifty stories and well, <laughs> pre Fifty Shades, How? but 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 in a similar sort of way, the the idea that you know they they'd read this stuff or they'd seen stuff, uh, you know, movies or pictures or something like that, and said like, oh, this seems this is really attractive to me, but then dove into it with the idea that they would go. From nothing to acting like a character in a book, mm. and and not having that awareness of oh, there's a reason the safe word exists. There's a reason why we find these boundaries, and finding the boundaries is not the fail state. Finding the boundaries is part of the the movement of this set of relationship. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the boundaries aren't. I guess one of the two things that I that I've experienced. I, I like. Um, I have a corruption fetish. Let's just put it out there I like corrupting people so I play with new people a lot because there's a lot of shit they haven't done yet and it, it's fun for me um, and a lot of what I run into with new people is that they A cry and feel like a failure when I make them red uh, although new tops out there one of the things that I do is I will tell them ahead of time that I'm going to keep hitting you until you're red to make sure that I know they can say it and that's a fun way to explore the safe word um, 
but they cry a lot and they feel like a failure and they compare themselves uh, to sometimes a fictional notion of what a submissive is um, and it it can cause a lot of of problems if if you can't get them to be honest about uh, what they can tolerate um, it makes bad things happen quickly and uh, just hit them until they red or hit them until they yellow or make sure that they understand what they can do and then you can have a lot of fun but until then I don't trust anyone who hasn't used a safe word with me I won't I won't play as hard with them until I know they can safe word and partly that's a sincerity thing, but also submissives need to realize that they each kind of have their own niche superpower. Yes. You might be able to come from hitting, and another might be able to, um, I don't know. Be whipped until they bleed. Yeah. Everyone is different, and everyone has something just amazing about them. Well, then there's the whole thuddy, stingy thing. Some people can go all day with stingy, or all day with thuddy, but if you switch it up, they will cry like a baby. So if you're hit with something, yeah. yeah, if you're hit with something and you don't like it, it doesn't mean you can't be hit with things. It means that whatever that particular toy was is just not your favorite. I, I can thud all day and sting. I'm yelping in nothing flat. She's stingy, which is the the lesser of the the two. Less and, common. Yeah, yeah less yeah, common. Definitely. Not lesser. Lesser. No, not lesser. Just less no. common. No. <laughs> but yeah, I can hit it with stingy forever. But when thuddy comes out, we're we're closing in on the end. Wow, that's. Yeah, that, that's not the uh, the most common way about it. No, definitely. yeah, no. That's why I have a closet full of stingy toys. I love them. <laughs> I like to hit you with stuff. <sighs> How is it that we always bring up Fifty Shades of Grey in the podcast? Every podcast, but but this time Iago the parrot because is not involved. This is true. This is true. Iago is not until involved. I said that. <laughs> the thing about Fifty Shades is that I, I'm actually old enough to remember uh, I grew up in the L.A. scene before I moved up here. Um, and I remember back when I was a, a young man and I was um, I used to go every week to this. It was mixed gay and straight and it was this S&M club called Cinematic that uh, may or may not still exist. Um, but it certainly doesn't exist in the form that it used to. It used to uh, just be... It used to be everything you would want uh, a... S&M themed dance club to be it was they had a back room where hitting was going on and lots of half naked people dancing and it was a mix of kinky people and vanilla people and gay people and straight people and it was all good things and then um, and then kink became popular for the first time uh, in my interaction with kink and society um, and it became sort of vanilla curious in the way that's coming now. And I have this sense of dread about Fifty Shades because of this and, and um, sort of scarred and maybe a little bit too timid about it. But uh, what happened was that it went from all these people who came to dance and party and kink and whatever. There was people that were doing kinky things and people that didn't care and just wanted to dance, but it was all fun. And then it became some people that came to watch because they wanted to see the kinky people perform. And then there were more people. And then slowly the ratio went from people who were there to play and people to watch to lots of people there to watch and a few people there to play. And then it'd just be a bunch of people wandering around waiting for something to happen and nothing good happening. And then the Vice Squad came. Oh, God. And the last time I went to that club, I actually left and never went back because I saw one of the staff security people tell a girl to put her shirt back on. And I was like, well, fuck this. I'm never coming back. <laughs> That's when I stopped going. All right. So how about... Um, <laughs> 
Because <laughs> as, as much as fun as it is to make fun of uh, Fifty Shades, uh, I've never really been a big fan of uh, deconstruction and, and pure uh, uh, critique without uh, criticism without critique. So, how about some constructive criticism? Uh, somebody came to Fifty Shades, they looked up BDSM, they found us. What would you recommend instead? What's another book that you would say, if this interests you, go look this up? Or, or movie or something like that. Forget the roses. Oh, yeah, screw the roses. Give me the thorns. Yeah, yeah I actually, I want to go on record as saying I am, I am not among uh, those that are against the accessing BDSM through Fifty Shades. I have nothing against accessing uh, BDSM through cheesy porn or... Bad fiction, or Fifty Shades, or you anything find else. It how you find it? Yeah. If if something happens that makes you realize I want to be tied up and spanked, or I want to tie someone up and spank them, or this intrigues me and I want to find out more about it, I'm all for it. I, I what I what I dislike about the popularizing of it is is the way that it can uh, ruin an otherwise fun club. But otherwise, I think that coming to kink, however you come to kink, is as as acceptable as any other way. There is no, like, pure, beautiful way to come into kink. Um, but if I were going to read about kink, uh, I would... I don't know that I would necessarily... I don't know that I feel like reading about kink is necessarily um, all that relevant. I think uh, Screw the Roses, Give Me the Thorns is a good sort of primer in some ways on how to conceptualize kink. Um but in the, in the same way, I think that reading kink erotica is uh, an equally valuable way to sort of sexualize kink. I don't think that there's um, like a one great book about it. There are, there are books that I found useful on thinking about how to hit people. There are books that are useful on how to think about... Um, Dominance and submission in in ways that are more accurate than in the ways that we are enculturated to think about submit, submitting to someone or dominating someone. But they're all they're all sort of like anything. Get a bunch of sources, smoosh them all together, sort of find a mean, and that's probably pretty close. For me, one of the interesting things about us is um, just hearing uh, Fox's description of us. It makes me feel like we're so. Uh, pre-internet in some ways, uh, but <laughs> uh, as as we started, I don't know. I just it, that's how I feel. I'm not a digital native, but uh, I, I'm just trying to think of what I described you as <laughs> before the books and before you know a lot of the internet stuff that brings a lot of people in. Ah, um, I see. But in hindsight, looking back at like our childhoods, there were all these clues along the way. Oh yeah, I was and, I was kinky from birth, and it's right, just so. interesting because you know. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you've mentioned a, a, a suffering fetish, and the the <laughs> go-to joke from that is, so were you raised Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> Fundamentalist Christian, I was a Sunday school teacher all through high school. And that just makes it so much better for me. <laughs> tell, them about, tell them about your, uh, your, your dining. Oh, um, I love doing uh, belly flops. A little too much, like the the stinginess of hitting the water. I called it the flying squirrel, and I just that was my thing. And the other day, I looked back and thought back, and I thought, oh, 
Yeah, I was enjoying that for more than just getting everybody's <laughs> attention. Look at me, you know, because it was, it was a little much. It made people worry, I think. But also, I remember being like 10, 11 years old and doing uh, slave postures because I thought they were beautiful. Not that you knew what they were. Had no idea, had never seen them. Well, all right, let's give us a definition of what are slave postures. Well, I think some, some of them actually originate with Agorian stuff. Well, they, they, I don't. I, I will not pretend to know the origination of slave postures. There are um, there are many variations of what are called slave postures. Gore has uh, a, if you can call something that's been uh, created in fiction in the last forty years traditional. They have a traditional set of Gorian slave postures. They have uh, names that I cannot recollect because they are made up words. Um, <laughs> but there are also. Um, uh, other variations on the same thing are our friend, the reason that, that we are uh, sort of familiar with slave postures, is that a friend of ours teaches the class on slave postures and was pregnant and used uh, Teddy Von Suckle as the demo bottom. And so we, we got a thorough understanding of them through that. But there are... High there, protocol. There are a series yeah. of, of uh, positions used to demonstrate um, submission. They tend to highlight... Uh, Things like there's one that's present ass, which is exactly what you think it would be. It's your. <laughs> it's, is this the kink version of uh, downward dog? Yes. It's, it's, <laughs> yes. It's uh, it's a formal position of face down, ass up. Um, there are some other ones that are sort of like the you know like the the meditation position where you have your you're in the lotus position with your hands on your knees and the legs spread. It's like that, but without the lotus position, so you're just knees spread with your hands on your thighs and your palms exposure. up, and it's a lot of exposure. Yeah. Uh, we don't do a lot of that in our personal dynamic, but we do know about it. We are familiar with it. And she used to do it for fun when she was also designing uh, oh home lingerie for her uh, 12-year-old girl crush, uh, her her female best friend was, that moved yes, away. I was a young whore. That's, that's my baby. I don't know. That suggests you were getting paid for it. That's true. <laughs> but at the same time, when you were very young, what were you doing? Uh, I was... Uh, more interested in tying girls up and cutting off their clothes than in having sex with them is what I was doing. Yeah. Because I, I, by the way, this I prefer... This is for varying de- definitions of very young, I'm guessing. Uh, yes, by by only a few <laughs> years, though. But I, I always, and to this day, prefer um, power over sex. If I, if I can... If I can make you want to fuck me and then say no to you... Versus just having you just have sex with me without any work, I will, I will earn your lust and then deny it every time because that's so much better. <laughs> so uh, just because it came up uh, in a previous podcast, I, although the this conversation also might reflect on the uh, Halloween costume conversation from the last podcast, uh, were you a fan of Wonder Woman? No. I no. totally was. I skipped out on a children's birthday party so I could run home and watch it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, she was obsessed with it. I would spin around with her in hopes that, like, all of a sudden I look in the mirror and I had turned into Wonder Woman. Well, are you aware of the uh, the, the original creator of Wonder Woman, the origins of, of the character? Mm. I know I've heard it, but I, I don't re- recall it. And I remember it being a good story, <laughs> though, so by all means, share Bondage, it. right? Bondage. Well, yeah, and, and, and we covered this before, but... Uh, with Zap. We talked about this with Zap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the short version the is that the uh, the guy that actually created the, the, the character initially was 
both in a polyamorous relationship and uh, pretty much obsessed with uh, feminism, uh, female empowerment, and uh, BDSM. So femdom? Yeah. yeah, and uh, if you go back and look at the early Wonder Woman comics, they almost universally, at some point, Wonder Woman gets tied up, and then she breaks the bonds, ties up the men that tied her up, and defeats them. Well, that explains why I've just never known Wonder Woman right there. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I would like it better if, if she never got out of the bonds, and it was just, you know. I, don't, I, I have no, uh, I have no um, particular bottoming fantasies in that. Uh, there were a lot of weird, I guess also, maybe I was too old at that point. I don't know if I watched the, I remember watching the Wonder Woman show vaguely. But I had more, like for me, the earliest thing that I recollect as being uh, sort of a, a, looking back on it, like kink inspired, was there was an episode of the Jetsons when I was a kid. Where, All right. whoever the father was, his name I don't remember, the father on the Jetsons. George. George, George Jetson, of course. Yeah. How can I forget that? Um, he gets shrunk down to, you know, the size of your thumb or whatever. He gets miniaturized. a lot of cartoons like that from, like, the 50s and 60s. Yeah. yeah. And there was something about, um, there was something about the power shift involved in... And his getting miniaturized that made me want to own people, even as a child. I was like, oh, I, I want to have a pet person. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I just love the Jetsons because they totally had an asexual, gendered, um, genderless house servant. The robot? Rosie? Yeah. yeah. Rosie the robot. Was- pretty female <laughs> she was supposed to be but she's a robot robots well, okay, don't have gender <laughs> i see that now hmm. so <laughs> wow the the kink born born of kink awareness born from the jetsons <laughs> is not where i thought to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no i i think um uh, also looking back People talk about, you know, like I talk about uh, vanilla relationships that I had or vanilla relationships that I was in, and none of them were, technically speaking, vanilla. When I say that I was, I had a vanilla marriage, that I was in a vanilla relationship, it was more reflective of my uh, lack of understanding of the distinction, because, you know, I've only ever been me, and so all the relationships I had involved me in them, and their level of kink seemed normal compared to all the other relationships that I'd had, uh, which were all equally dirty. Normal. Yes. Quote, 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 quote normal. Yes. <laughs> uh, vanilla, anyway. And so, for me, I've, I've, I've never... I've never been in a non-power exchange relationship, uh, even though I was not aware of what I was doing all the time. All right. And... and oh, sorry. Oh, if I may just add, we have a theory about leaking. If you uh, are kind of repressed or kind of shunning back a part of yourself, you are going to inevitably leak. The dirty shit you keep in comes out. Yes. So I was in a relationship for a long time. My vanilla relationship was with another submissive. So we are both kind of waiting for 10 years for or nine years for the other one to initiate something. And that just kept getting worse and worse. Just two asses waiting to be spanked. Yeah. So um, (laughs) eventually, yeah, I started just kind of, Looking for other things and tell them about the uh, oh, tell them about Jesus why you should why Christ. you should clear your internet cache. 
So I am. Um, is this the story I'm that queer. you wanted? To no, no, no. But we'll we have get, many we'll, stories. That's completely unrelated. But I'll tell you that story because that story is awesome. Although I will somewhat unashamedly identify as bisexual because I am sort of attracted to only two types of people. Yes, this so, is, goes into the whole queer. And it doesn't mean that I'm. Thing. Yeah, it's it's just my sexuality. I cannot fucking help it that it's politically incorrect or just whatever. Um, but we've already had conversations about alphabet soup and our yeah. feelings. Alphabet there. soup. Oh, yeah, you had the terminology we we, episode. We don't, yeah, we don't. We don't use the alphabet soup. Yes, thank you. It really is alphabet soup. Well, I'm 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 pro inclusiveness. I just think that we should all come up with one word that just means all you dirty fuckers and just be done with it. Yeah. And so when I was in my vanilla relationship, which was mono, what was that? Well, there's two distinctions, right? Because either you're Republican or you're everything else. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, um, Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I'm trying to remember. Although log cabin Republicans would disagree. Oh, yeah. oh that's true. Yeah, that's Green right. Tea party. Uh, that's right. Well, oh, I wonder what Lincoln would think about log cabin Republicans. <laughs> uh, well, I wonder what the Tea Party would think about them. <laughs> I think they should be put in a camp. That's what I think they should think. Yeah. They would think about them. I'm picturing I, I'm sorry, Lincoln I'm... and Frilly Panties. But go ahead, panties. baby. You were, you were saying something. Lincoln and Frilly Panties. Lincoln and Frilly Panties? That's yeah. also good. That's kind of hot. Yeah, it is. Right? <laughs> uh, with, with Daniel Day-Lewis and the top Frilly Panties? He still needs the top yeah. hat. Frilly Panties <laughs> and the top hat. I yeah. think it's because it's that video for I Want to Take You to a Gay Bar. Oh, gay yeah, yeah, bar, yeah. Gay bar. Yeah, Electric Six has a video, uh, I Want to Take You to a Gay Bar, that has Lincolns in it. Yeah, just a bunch of dirty Lincolns and a gerbil. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can think of his mall rats. Why do you keep going back and getting the cats? You know you're just going to get this one stuck up your ass. Well, how else am I supposed to get the hamster out? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So, anyway, what we... So there, the, well, there, there was a conversation about you're clearing your internet cache. Yes. What were we saying about? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm in this mono relationship that um, was uh, pretty much no sex happening with two subs. So um, eventually I started getting curious about meeting women. and. Yeah. No, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to do anything because the partner I was with, if he was going to try to pursue Polly, he was going to just kind of like, he was going to be mono with the other person for a while. He just, I don't, I didn't think he was going to be able to manage Polly. And um, so I started looking up people on Craigslist just to, you know. What were you looking up? I was looking up uh, for um, African American women. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> But, you know, it, it's shorthand black women. So, um, you know, uh, W for W, black women. And um, then I realized that the history was remembering. So my way of covering it up was uh, adding on uh, blue women and green women and purple women. And uh, eventually my, my ex went on the the computer and was like, what the fuck are you looking at? Because <laughs> there's this whole little menu of like rainbow women that I was looking at because I could not cover up my tracks. Really into Star Wars porn. Yes. <laughs> For Star Trek but it was coming out. You Thank wanted you. to be Captain Kirk. Yeah, exactly. Or just, I can't even think of what they're called. The, the blue ones with the tentacle heads. Uh, Alright, so 
Which from ones? Star Wars. From Star oh, Wars? Yeah. Blue ones with the tentacle heads? The, the Twi'leks? Twi'lek, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you mean Bib Fortuna? You know, they're not blue. They dye their skin. Duh. Oh. <laughs> okay, so, so this is completely unrelated, but since you brought it up... Um, yes, there was another is, story. This is the story that yeah. I was telling you about earlier. That, Jeez. So I, um, I, got, I, got, I got bored at work recently. Yeah. It sometimes happens. Very recently. Uh, and I um, did a bit of online shopping, as also sometimes happens. And I am a, uh, I'm a fan of, of uh, sex toys. <laughs> Um, and so <laughs> I just, I just ordered uh, just a, a, a cache of, of new fun sex toys, um, and and I'm sorry I have to interrupt here uh, just because the the listeners are on audio here. So I'm a fan of sex toys, followed by his partner saying mm, every last drop was not actually a connected statement. <laughs> it yes. was my cocktail that I need to drink. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sorry. So you 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 uh, you decided to purchase some uh, fun bits. I I did. Work. I got a whole couple of cases of stuff, and inconveniently for uh, for Titi Von Suckle, they showed up right before her um, hip hop dance class at uh, Twenty Four Hour <laughs> Fitness. <laughs> and and uh, so just sort of backtrack. Um, I am I am dating uh, a girl. Um, and we introduced her to a mutual friend of ours who is her former boss and a good friend of ours. Um, and so she goes to this hip-hop dance class with, with our friend, her former boss. Um, we're a big fuck family. Yes, we're a big fuck family, but, but we don't all fuck. No. Um, so that's maybe a misnomer. But anyway, but they were going to the, to the workout thing, and I was going to be at work. And so I, I, I went with my conjugal cousin, is your, what I call Your it. conjugal cousin, yes. I like that term. And I... <laughs> I uh, I left her with some things to wear to the hip hop dance class because I like being mean to her. I guess is really the only reason, and I thought it would be funny. Um, she isn't super orgasmic, so I didn't expect much more than inconvenience and embarrassment, I which mean, is really what I shoot for generally. My, my sir knows my buttons, but yeah, it, it takes me sometimes a while to to come. So I gave her um, something like Benoit balls. They're these balls on a string, but they have they have these sort of weights inside of them, so that every inside of each ball is little weights, so that when you move, it makes a vibrating sort of thing in them. <laughs> and I, I sent her with, with that, um, and also her her comfort butt plug, which is her like I'm going to wear it for a long time butt plug, uh, which I'm sure you all have. First, so through you an hour of traffic. That is not my problem. <laughs> but but tell them tell them of your trip to the gym. I I I, uh, I enjoyed it. So um, I get there, and it's actually quite comfortable wearing everything. Although it was very difficult to put everything in, I I cannot uh, easily DP. I just I can't. I'm I have maybe small holes. I'm not sure what's going on down there, but um. I just think you're being difficult. (laughs) (laughs) So I get there and, um, you know, we start doing the warm up, the exercise is going well. And I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't really feel anything. It's going all right. So I'm exercising. My friend comes over, checks on me because she likes to be at the front of the class. I like to be in the back of the class. And she notices that, um, I'm smiling a lot more than usual. I have just like (laughs) a big fucking grin on my face. And a, a half an hour into this hour class, I start to realize that 
I'm like really giving my all to this class. And it's like, it's kind of a hard class. I don't always give my all. And I make the connection that this is a lot to like when um, I'm fucking and I can't come and I just start going like a desperate freight train trying to make this happen. And this is happening at my hip hop dance class. So about like 45 minutes into it, um, they ask us, you know, what song do you want to do? Da, da, da. And my friend and I were like asking for LMFAO's uh, party rock anthem. Not knowing that this was going to be four and a half straight minutes of jumping straight up and down with your fist in the air with Benoit balls in my hoo-ha. <laughs> just doing and, and these sideways stretches. And at the end of it, all of a sudden, it happens. And once I pop, I can't stop, and the cool down starts to happen. You think a cool down's not going to be anything, and then it happens again at the end of the next song. And then during the actual cool down, just stretches. There, there's a, a new favorite stretch, let's say, and it happens yet again. And I'm, I'm, I'm like barely moving at this point because it's just so. It's just too much. And it probably looks like, wow, that girl right there just had a really good workout. She, like, barely can move anymore. Well, you did. <laughs> she's, she's into it. <laughs> so then I go to the lockers, and I'm desperately texting my sister. I'm like, can I please, please take them out? And I just get no. Not even a period at the end. Not even grammar, like, punctuation. Just no. You don't deserve punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> So I get in my car to go down the street two miles, two minutes to a Chili's to have drinks with my friend that I just worked out with, and uh, it happened again in the car. Now, fortunately, <laughs> our, our friend is uh, both uh, kinky and a top, so... Uh, I was going to say, where along uh, here does the friend just go, man, you went to a different class than I did. <laughs> yeah, no, she found out at, she found out at Chili's exactly what all had been going on. And that was the most pleasant surprise to both of us, because uh, we did not... We did not have uh, that high of expectation. No, I we just, just thought it was going to be torture. Yeah, I was just inconveniencing you. I didn't know you were actually going to get to come, or I would have made some rules. All right, I think on that. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I think on that road to Wellsville moment, we're gonna we're gonna stop and take a break here. <laughs> we're back. We took a bit of an extended break and made another round of drinks. And made another round of drinks. Um, uh, we've got a couple of cowboys this time. Uh, which, They're delicious. Uh, with cinnamon. Uh, which, if you're oh interested God, in, holiday the, cowboy. Uh, in the geeky of, I will tell you where I got the reference for a cowboy, although I did follow up and find out it came from other things, but uh, Jet Black in Cowboy Bebop drinks Cowboys, which is an anime. Mm. Um, yeah, anime. it is. He, I knew there was a reason I liked him other than the mass amounts he, of He sits down in a bar and he orders a cowboy, um, which is also slang for a bounty hunter. Um, and... Uh, he explains that it's a whiskey and cream, and that's what we've got here uh, in a way. We've got uh, Soco and cream with a dash of cinnamon, and yeah. fuck, this is good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's good. We're here to help. I've got to give it to uh, Maximo Hot and Todd here. Our uh, mixologist for the night has been knocking it out of the park. Yes. I like booze. <laughs> I like it when he mixes boobs. Whoa. Nice save. Nice save. As opposed that, to when you mix booze. That was some borderline alcohol abuse there. You, uh, that was you a, a near party foul. But I'm sorry, okay. there was suction on the bottom of the glass. <laughs> ah, suction is always good. Well, not always. Sometimes it makes In this case, good. it was not good. 
Sometimes suction makes you get cream all over the carpet. I hate when that happened. No, it I don't. did not do that. <laughs> not so, like I ever cleaned it up, so it's fine. <laughs> the uh, advantages of a service bottom, I suppose. Mm, one of many. Um, we were going to talk about stuff, not completely blank. <laughs> Sorry. I have a question. The blonde had a the question. Blonde had a question. Blonde. Yes. Uh, lean in and speak up. So, how do you guys maintain your daily relationship? Like, what are some of the things that you do to reinforce your DS dynamic on a daily basis? All right. So, I think this is actually probably uh, the number one thing that people struggle with both when starting a 24-7 dynamic and when trying to conceptualize a 24-7 dynamic. If they're thinking, you know, I want to be a... I want to be a slave all the time, or I want to be a sub all the time, or I want to be a, a cat all the time, or whatever it is they want to be all the time. I think that the notion of how to integrate um, submission and DS and service uh, in a 24-7 dynamic when you have things like jobs and school and illness and taxes and all of that, how does that work? I think that gets in the way of a lot of people because they, they have trouble conceptualizing um, how to be practically in service or to be practically a top. And I think that one of the things that we have done exceptionally well um, is that we have, we have in some ways built our dynamic around our lives instead of trying to build our lives around our dynamic. We didn't start with a sort of a fantasy about what uh, slavery is and then try to fix our lives around it. We just lived our lives um, and slowly added on elements of our dynamic one thing at a time, like bricks. We would find a thing that we liked doing and we would do it. Every night when I come home from work, uh, she takes my boots off. Um, we didn't sort of start off with a list of things that slaves do and try to incorporate them. It just sort of happened and then happened a couple of more times and then uh, it just sort of became... It's the way that traditions form. People don't go like, oh, I'm going to make Christmas. Just, you just end it. up with Christmas. Yeah. Um, it's like that, but with my boots. Um, <laughs> and with breakfast. It's like Christmas, things, but yeah. with his boots. Yes. Uh, and it, we've sort of built up things over time. I have, um, uh, I have sort of things that it is my job to look out for. Um, we have agreed that uh, she can't come unless she asks my permission. Um, every day she sends me a picture of what panties she's wearing. She takes my boots off when I get home. Uh, she's responsible for getting up in the morning and picking up my clothes and uh, having my breakfast ready for me. Packing your lunch. Packing my lunch. And part of it is that they are all things that are important to both of us. And part of it is that they are all things that are always possible to do every day. I think that um, if you start with sort of outsized expectations um, you are dooming yourself to failure and I think I think that on you have to sort of question how important something really is to you especially both as a top as a bottom everyone thinks that the bottom has the hard job in in a if the expectation is for instance that she's going to send me a picture of the panties that she's wearing every day when she goes to work because I go to work first everyone thinks that the bottom has sort of the hard job in that and that the top just sort of gets to receive panty pictures every day, which is only true if she sends you panty pictures every day. But 
as a top, it loses meaning for the bottom if she skips a day and you don't notice. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think that's an important uh, part of this dynamic that a lot of people, especially that are coming into this through you know uh, fiction or stories, erotica stuff like that, might miss is the the effort that is required of the top to maintain the relationship. That it is not the top just gets to sort of enjoy all these benefits that the bottom does for them. Like yeah, that there's a two-way relationship going on. That's the quickest way to lose a submissive that I can think of, is to think of it as you just sort of lay back and let the goodness come to you. I cannot... I'm a very, very hardworking top, uh, more so than I think... Uh, some other people, because like I said before, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very plan-oriented top. So for me, I put a lot of... I put a lot of thought and energy into playing with anybody. Yeah, it's not improv. I don't do a lot of improv. I, I do a lot of... Well, I'm big on psychological warfare. And so for me, I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, very specific ways to fuck with people. And so sort of the inverse of, of her having to do painting pictures every day is that I think of things to do for her... And for her, I mean, to torture her that amuses me. Um, but if I work with bottoms, which I sometimes do, that are somewhat cavalier about following through on the things that I've asked of them, if I if I put a lot of effort into a plan and a lot of thought into the circumstances that they're going to be in in that day and then come up with a, a thing to what I like to think of as make their day more enjoyable, and then they sort of blow it off, oh, man, that pisses me off. It doesn't, it doesn't make me want to give you, like, a fun spanking punishment. It makes me not to not play with you anymore. So consistency takes endurance, and the more that you put in there, the more endurance and consistency and, and uh, vigilance it takes. Yes. That's the other thing. Everyone likes to think of being a top as being this super micromanagey, like, I'm going to tell you what to eat and when to pee and what to wear and how to do your hair and what to say. You have no idea how exhausting that is as a top. If you want to be a top and have a super micromanagey relationship... You are a very busy fucking person. Just plan that ahead of time. Yeah. And and this is something that we've talked before uh, when we talked about uh, DS just in in broader terms was the the responsibility of awareness that's put on a top. Yes. Knowing not only their limits and what they may or may not enjoy or uh, react to, but also like... What's their circumstances? What's your bottom going to have to do during the day? How much can you line inconvenience versus, like, well, they still have a job to do. They, they have other social obligations, yes. things like that, that you could possibly, you know, mess with on, on a short term. But to sustain over any long term, that there requires that awareness and planning. So a couple things for me is that for the longest time, um, I could not do punishments, uh, mostly because um, I had a lot of abuses uh, growing up. So uh, just the disappointment from my sir was enough of a punishment. And then, like, it's taken this many years. It's been a very recent thing for me to be open to the idea of punishment and um Especially noticing that I've gotten lax with a couple things, um, we're reintroduce or introducing the concept of, of punishment. Uh, I'm welcoming that. 
as uh, not a bad negative thing, but as a, another positive thing just to maintain the DS. Yes. And that it's it's part of the deal that I'm into. That that's part of the D- DS deal. I guess part of the answer of how to maintain it daily is to um, be somewhat flexible. Uh, you, uh, by you I mean Titty Von Suckle, was in a, uh, a postgraduate program for a while. Yes. Um, that was obscenely time-consuming. Um, and sort of in deference to the importance of that to her as a person and to her and her life goals and to everything that she was trying to accomplish, um, we pared back her daily obligations and became much more flexible about what got accomplished uh, just because she only has 24 hours and she had a lot to do. And I think that... Um, I think that you have to be realistic about the fact that all days are not equal. And sometimes things happen that really make certain tasks impractical. But it's partly because you trust that I'm not slacking. So some days I would say, uh, sorry, I'm, sir, I'm really, I'm not able to, you know, pack your lunch tomorrow, select your clothes tomorrow, or do this. You know, you're going to have to shower alone and groom yourself, that sort of thing, which was horrible for me, but I had to ask for it. And that was kind of a skill that I had to learn, you know, just to ask for those things. But some of the restrictions that we have, for example, is um, for a while there, I had a job where he could ask for me to do things at my job, but, like, school was out of bounds, like, you cannot ask me to do kinky things like not wear a bra and panties to school or mm. things like that i'm sorry and <laughs> but now i'm i finished with my postgraduate work i'm about to enter a job that involves children it's gonna be more restrictive so now we're uh experimenting with new ideas of how to still be kinky but um kind of divide that so I'm gonna shave her head and make her wear a wig to work in a nutshell, yeah, I'm. We're gonna experiment for science. For science, having a, a double life where um, I I'm one person and then another completely different looking person in my kink life because public humiliation is a really important part of our life and it's not one of those things where okay you can humiliate me in these cities but not in these cities that that just doesn't work for my sir. So opportunities arise. I can't say no. I, well, I think that's one of the things that I've, I've tried to stress before, and I can't stress enough that one of the most important parts of any kink relationship, uh, 24-7 or you know, momentary and, and brief interaction, no matter what the boundaries, uh, setting boundaries and being aware of boundaries are what make the difference between uh, being able to enjoy kink with somebody else and feeling forced into or caught in things. Yes. Well, that's very similar to having a bottom that can say for it or having a bottom that gives you good feedback when you're learning a new toy or trying out a new object. Um, there's also uh, an equivalent of that, which is having a bottom uh, that can articulate the difference between... I'm hating this, but I'm going to be masturbating about it for a few days later, and I'm hating this... And I'm really and, hating it. And I this. just hate it. Yeah. I'm hating this and I'm going to continue to hate it forever. But some of that is personal responsibility because you can't say, okay, we're going to try this and then be mad about it, like, on a personal level 
oh, later. Yeah. You have to just accept, you know what, I signed in for the wrong thing, let's renegotiate and uh, just take responsibility for that. Well, yeah, experiments have to be experiments. You have to say, like, we're going to, let's let's try this thing out and see what happens. We're going to throw it against the wall and see what sticks. And that's really hard for somebody emotional like I am. I, I, I have to take responsibility for my emotions after the fact if, you know, what we tried didn't was not successful. That's true. Yeah. So how do you find taking those day-to-day kind of tasks both you titty and maximo um and and being able to take them and also translate them into the fact that as you mentioned maximo you like to play with other people i do so you are poly how do you take that and then and then are able to then translate them into a separate dynamic with someone else well, it's, it's interesting. Partly, it is a conscious, uh, strategic choice in my other partners. For instance, um, I I tend not to play with people who have a strong service need. I don't like I don't like having overlapping dynamics. Okay. So uh, we have a really powerful body worship, grooming, service dynamic where she wants to sort of take care of uh, domestic things and take care of me personally and all of that. Um, so when I play with other people, I tend not to play with people who have a strong drive to do those things for me because they can't, so it's, it's just frustration all around. Yeah. And then if I did let them do that, it would be confusing as hell for everybody. So partly it's, it's a choice for that. Partly it's just... Uh, it's just different playing with other people. Sometimes you get to explore things that you're curious about yourself that I'm not into. Like, for example, I, I don't do much study. I barely do any study. So you can explore study with somebody else or you can explore different dynamics with somebody else that um, just are not intrinsic to who I am. And, and to be clear, study is in reference to, like, impact. Uh, floggers, soft... Uh, uh, softer floggers, uh, paddles, things like that. Clubs. Clubs. Yeah, some are thuddy, some Crunchy. are stingy. Mm. Just because I know we've used that before, but I don't know if we were really explicit on, on the distinction. Yeah. And I just don't play with other doms. I, I'm kind of... Um, you play, but I guess the difference is you, you are a masochist for some other people, but you don't really submit to anybody else. No, I, I have a really hard time forming... Um, emotional connections with other people who taught me and I'm still trying to figure out exactly why it is not forbidden it's not forbidden it partly I'm thinking that maybe I'm monogamous in some ways and poly in other ways let's make you giggle Fox it's that the 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 idea that it's strange in our particular circles to be monogamous <laughs> on anything? Yes. Yeah, that, that, that it's just like, oh, they're monogamous? Okay. That's well, I've heard <laughs> of things like, you know, you can be emotionally monogamous and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'd, I really can only uh, interact with one male partner and who happens to be or has to be a, a dominant. What's up? So, um, but that's just how I function. I haven't had really many male partners at all, so... 
Um, I think that's a that's a interesting thing to to dig into a little bit um, that that gets outside of the poly and kink into the poly in general. I've seen a lot of poly relationships where uh, emotionally they find it safer to be poly with somebody of uh, either the same gender or the opposite gender, whatever it is that isn't their primary relationship. Um, do you find it safer to make a, a distinction that way? Easier to make a distinction that way with those that are uh, with your poly partners being something that's very drastically different than your primary partner? Well, partly it's that I, I have one need that's fully met and another is um, I mean, I do look at fears for example, again, coming from a background of, of, of abuse I tend to go to a place where things are threatening at first a lot of the time so then I have to go through this long process of figuring out why are they, did I find it threatening why am I scared and I'm still trying to figure that out and uh, I think poly is kind of a exploration space for that and we're so committed to each other that that is uh, a possible expl exploration space but yeah. for the most part like I said one need is being met and the other um, is just um, you know, just another part of me that. Yeah, no, I think I think that um, we are very very closely aligned in our our kink and DS and romantic needs. I think that we are uh, slightly less specifically aligned in our poly needs, so that's always um, more interesting when we talk about it because we're we we come across more surprises in terms of the different ways that we think about things in terms of poly than the way we think about things in terms of kink. But I think that for her, she relates a lot to actions. Like the way that she distinguishes relationships is more action-oriented. I do this with this person. I don't do this with this person. Yeah. And that's the difference between the two. And for me, the distinction is um, I feel this way about this person. And I feel this way about this person. And that's the distinction between the two. And I can do the exact same thing with both people. But it means different things to me because of the way that I feel about them. And I think that that sort of is, a, in some ways, the distinction between the two ways in which we have uh, worked in non-monogamy. So that we're, right now we're talking about specialness. What makes you feel special in your relationship? So uh, again, I base a lot of things on what we do because when we started our relationship, doing these things for my sir, submitting that was just the most mind-blowing, special thing in the world for me. It, you know, changed my life. It's and still very special. It's still completely very special. I mean, he still enters a room, and I don't even expect that he's entering into a room, and just I instinctively tense up because I know this predator has just entered the room, and I look up, and it's him. And, um, but a lot of that is based on the things that we do, whereas for him, again, he can do the same things to me that he does to somebody else, but to him, he internalizes the meaning and it took us a long time to figure that out. That's true. A lot of it's just like you can use the same terms. The communication be, can be great. You're talking every single night, and yet the same basic terms are being used differently. Yes. Which unfortunately happens with some of the most basic relationship terms like friendship or play partner or, or dating. Or dating. Dating was a big word of difference for us. We were talking yes. about dating forever. The blonde is chuckling. We were talking about dating forever, and it meant completely <laughs> different things to us. And then we were like... But I thought you were dating. I am dating. But, okay, now we have to talk about what dating means for us, even though we've known each other 15 fucking years. Yes. 
negotiation. The blonde yes. is chuckling because we've been down that road. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure a lot of some people, people think been. dating I've involves been, fucking, and some people and think there wasn't a poly relationship involved. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Some people think dating involves fucking, and some people think dating does not involve fucking. That's a really important distinction to work out ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. And partly because I I identify or I, I'm starting to figure out whether I identify as demisexual. Oh, that's true. This is a brand new thing. The demisexual thing is brand new. Did you mention this in your terminology? We I brought it up I think in one of the earlier podcasts about in we, we did briefly to, cover demi. I think it was actually in podcast zero. Yeah, we talked about oh, it because right. you brought up the metasexual. Right, and I I referenced. The conversation you and I had had oh, excellent. days You've before. You've already been on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you just in, 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 in sorts, in reference. <laughs> you Actually, I think you guys have been referenced on every single podcast. The blonde just is about, frantically yeah. raising her hand in the back. What is demisexual? Okay, so, um, and I'm sure that asexuals are going to, like, email like crazy or comment like crazy, but... The way I finally understood asexual was someone who can enjoy sex, but just does not... Physically. Physically, but does not experience sexual attraction to people. So demisexual would be somebody sort of in between that and the normative sexuals or whatever you want to call it, the super sexuals, whatever term is, is out there. And so... I'm super sexual. Super sexual. <laughs> <laughs> Wear well, a t-shirt and a cape. So the way you explained it to me via text when we talked about it before the first podcast went up was very much so a... I am not sexually attracted to people for their sexual characteristics. They're, they're predominantly... Uh, what most people think of like physical attraction, sexual attraction. It's very rare yeah, for her. For her, um, your there attraction are, there to are certain people, exceptions. Yeah, in the room here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need like sorry. a porn button music, like a porn music <laughs> on Boom Chicka Bow Wow. Um, but you described it as being a. You are attracted to people on a intellectual level. Or a lot of the times I need to, like, get to know them. I need to form some other bond. Maybe because I also have, like, trust is a huge thing for me. Yeah. So um, a lot of times I form attractions to friends or I have to I have to have some reciprocation. Like, we were dating somebody who for a short time was giving me that reciprocation and I all of a sudden started to experience all these emotions and all these beautiful feelings and then she stopped because she... We did not have that dynamic. She could not feel that for a sub like I am. And then all of a sudden, bam, it stopped for me again. Yeah. Well, it seems to me that the the big distinction there being made is between one that can find initial sexual attraction from the physical and one that first requires the emotional before the physical can present. At least for me, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, for her, the notion of... Um, of Seeing someone or meeting somebody and, and just immediately wanting to fuck them, like that doesn't really exist. Yeah. It's very extraordinarily infrequent. And that makes it difficult when I am with my sir who uh, has a corruption fetish, loves to date. I do love to date. And so we came Ladies. into... <laughs> <laughs> do, do we, do, should we put That's your contact info thing. in here? I know, I'm meant to be creepy. We'll just broadcast. Just any lines. <laughs> any lines of ladies. Ladies. <laughs> How are you doing? 
So that made it difficult because we came into Polly with the idea that we we're going to date together and then figuring out that our Polly's are so different. And our dating styles are hugely different. Yeah. So, you know, he comes into it, is looking to corrupt, to seduce. He's with, got all the mojo in I the know. world. And for me, I'm sitting back waiting to click with this person for like date after date after date. And in the meantime, I'm getting to know this person and figuring out I don't think I want to date this person. And then... Um, By that, I'm usually having sex with them already. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, uh, uh, um, what is it? An epiphany that I just had this morning that I haven't even shared with my sir yet. How exciting. I know. Exclusives. Was Breaking news. <laughs> I, I listened to, actually, I wish I remembered her whole name, but Marsha from, from the Mission Control uh, community. She had uh, a little, not like a podcast, but something online about uh, jealousy and poly. And she was talking about, uh, just in the briefest nutshell possible, um, how to deal with jealousy from uh, her experience. But it made me realize that we had come into poly with these expectations. And the funny thing about poly and the way I work is that I don't particularly want to be married. I like the idea of change. I like the idea of two people being united and embracing whatever happens in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I had realized that I had married myself to this concept of the poly that we had told each other that we were going to create. Mm -hmm. That's and interesting. that epiphany alone made, it, made me realize I was not open to that definition changing. I was holding this resentment that Oh, that, that I knew. This is not news to me. I know, darling. <laughs> but that that vision was not easily coming true or not coming or true um, with every single person we were pursuing. But we, we still are true to who we are. Yes. So just the idea of embracing change while still embracing each other because our DS has still progressed fantastically. Oh, we're, we're good. We're amazing. We have yeah. a great time. Our dynamic is fantastic. And we'll definitely we're going to have multiple episodes on on Polly. We have other guests already uh, lined up for this, and and hopefully we'll have you guys back on again too, uh, and talk about Polly in, in sort of a deeper, more long form. Yes, back to DS dynamics. Um, well, yeah, actually, because uh, there's something that you mentioned earlier, uh, Titi von Suffolk PhD, that I uh, never stop making me giggle. <laughs> I am more than my titties. Thank you very much. There is That's both suckling and PhD. PhD. That's right. I had to prove, yeah. You're a titty Overcome doctor. my name. Yeah. I'm a titty doctor. Um, I'm a titty snob. I had a question. You are a titty <laughs> snob, actually. And, oh. and she's, uh, last time I checked, Don't she get was, me started. She was at least decently fond of the blonde's titties. Which is true. That's true. <laughs> uh, she is. She she uh, will only accept a certain uh, a kind and grade of titty in her mind. Shape. You must be at least even the nipples. This awesome of a titty to, to ride this ride. Nipple color, nipple shape. It's a lot. It's, it's her 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 standards are much more specific than mine, frankly. But yeah. I'm sorry. We're we're. And see, now I feel like an asshole. To be no, enough, <laughs> no, no. Enough of that, my PhD. That's about as much of that as you can really talk about and have it mean anything. Um, no, well, because you, you mentioned actually before that, that you came from abusive childhood. And this is something that, anecdotally at least, I've seen a lot in this uh, uh, community. I but can't believe you brought that up right after the TD conversation. Yeah, see, I told you I'm an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. No. Um, but Great song. I, I think the... 
I think that there's a the, the question of sourcing is, is something that one could write write papers on, but but is kind of negligible. It doesn't matter. I think the really important thing that a lot of people skim over, a lot of people don't really address, is finding that awareness both in self and in relationship to make a distinction between this is a DS relationship with a power dynamic that I've chosen mm. and this is an abusive relationship that I haven't chosen. Yes. That's a really important distinction. So when we got back together after our vanilla relationships and um, started talking, before we even started taking it seriously, we, well, my sir was dealing with a whole still, am I, is this an evil thing for me to want to do to, to hit somebody and to um, objectify and humiliate yeah. and all those delicious things that he now mm. enjoys? And for my end, I really needed to... Um, decide is this because i was abused because if it is in like intrinsically connected i this might not be a good or quote-unquote normal thing to or healthy or healthy thing to embrace and the funny thing is when we describe like our uh kink lives to people who are completely vanilla completely um knowledgeable about what it's like a lot of it comes down to is it normal is it you know there's normal sexuality. What you're doing, does it fit into that? So that was kind of part of my the, the hump that I was trying to get over. And what helped me realize once I started playing with my sir was that everything that he was doing, even though he's very paternal, and a lot of my abuse was uh, from my father, and so I'm reconnecting with my sir, who, well, now is my sir. And um, so there's all these somewhat parallels although not entirely of course and i started to realize that while a lot of the abuse that i had received as a child had come from a lot of uncontrollable anger that everything that i was receiving now was from a person who was incredibly level incredibly uh emotionally restrained and everything comes from love Every single thing comes from love. He goes sometimes when we have like impact placings, he goes to this very dark place mm-hmm. that he was very scared of. And he doesn't go there every time. And I, I actually wish. try to encourage him to go there. Like at the end of a scene, sometimes I'll be like, did you go to your dark place? And if he does, I'm so, so excited. But I know that even though he's going to that scary place where he's uh, almost unrestrained, it's still all of it coming from love. And we did talk about subspace before. And should amend that there's maybe not as commonly spoken of, maybe not something that has you know its, its own terminology, but there's a similar dynamic for the top. There's a similar space that one goes when one entirely embodies the domination. I actually make a distinction. I have two head spaces that I talk about. I have my regular top space, um, which is fun. And that's when I'm just sort of enjoying the power that I have over people. But I, I call my own my own darkest place Gur space. And when I'm feeling like when I really sort of connect what I, normally when I'm when I'm doing impact play with her and I'm and I'm hitting and I'm really enjoying I'm enjoying the exchange of energy and the interplay and the the, the connection that I feel with her, and that's my normal top space. I'm enjoying the power exchange. But 
when I'm having a particularly good night or when I'm in a particular mood, I will get into Gur space, which is where I'm just, I'm enjoying her suffering. I'm enjoying hitting her. Pushing me. I'm enjoying pushing, but it's just this, it's this joy in smacking her with things really hard and her her enjoyment is it's not irrelevant but it's different than when I'm enjoying the inter, interplay it's not it's not so much a back and forth but it's about her taking it and me giving it and it's just so good now when one when one reaches a, a true subspace, there's absolutely aftercare required. Do you find that the same works for a dom space? I have very specific aftercare needs. I, I will top drop 100% of the time if I don't do my thing. My my thing as a top, which is convenient for me because a lot, it, 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 it overlaps with a lot of uh, what bottoms need for subspace for aftercare, is that I need uh, to cuddle and I need to know that my bottoms had a good time. And um, I've had instances before where I would do a double bottom scene, for instance, where it was uh, uh, titty. titty and another girl. And I went through all this planning, as I do, and I built this whole thing, and the scene went really well, and I hit everybody and had all these combinations and formats and changes and all, everything went everything went great. And then at the end, uh, the other bottom that was there with us, uh, we were in a public place, and she got up and ran off and was socializing and saying hi to everybody and whatever, and sort of disappeared for a while. And uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll drop like crazy the next couple of days after that. If I don't, if I don't get sort of the, the cuddles and reassurance and the aftercare that I need, then I will, I will drop like mad. Doms so, yeah. have big egos. Uh, they also, it's it's also a very, in this, for the same reasons, it's... Uh, Subdrop is, you know, the, the chemical highs and lows of, mm-hmm. of your body. And I, I get very uh, lost in, in the moment of topping. And I put a lot of energy into the planning. And it's, a, it's a, sort of like throwing a really tiny party for me. So uh, for me, I need, I need the party to go well. I need to know that everyone had a good time at my party. Or I sort of get really bummed out about it. And, and I can speak, at least anecdotally, to the, you can run that line. You can get to that dark place and then afterwards question it and want to know this was still okay this this was still something that wasn't too far yes and, one and knowing that is what allows you to reach that again with them one of my uh regular play partners has a new top as their primary partner and one of the issues they have is their new top every time they have a really sort of intense scene has really serious self-doubt issues real serious sort of am i an okay person for wanting this and it's actually sort of impacted the relationship to some degree that they can't make peace with the the amount of joy they get in the moment of hurting this person they care about so when it all when they everything calms down later they're like am i that person well there's definitely some some self-awareness but some self-confidence that's required to be able to say like I can go to this dark place, but I can still be who I want to be. I can still be an mm-hmm. okay person. Um, yeah. How did you come to? I mean, that, that's a significant self awareness for somebody to live this, you know, twenty four seven. Is that something that came naturally, or is that something that came over time? Oh, loads of time. Well, like when we first when we first started dating, I had made no peace with my evil. I, I thought of I thought of one of my virtues 
at the time as a partner I thought that one of my virtues was my ability to keep all the evil shit I wanted to do in check like that was one of the things that I brought to the table was my self I the same self control that I use as a top well to, and to clarify by by keeping it in check you mean not doing it. yes yes not doing it by uh, passing in a very vanilla way as well as I could at the time, which seemed very vanilla at the time and very normal, but in retrospect was pretty crappy. You wanted to be Lloyd Dobler and say anything. Yes, you like to call me Lloyd <laughs> Dobler. Uh, and then, and then as I, that's, I, think, I, that is a reference that I did not expect. I'm, I love her. I feel like I have and, topped my. And they idol. said they weren't geeky. <laughs> I feel like I have topped my idol in that we have actually been able to bring a John Hughes movie into reference. In a <laughs> and, and as of yet, I don't think he's been able to do it in the same fashion. So, you, you were saying, so, so you, yeah, you, you I, felt like you're, you were better for not doing the things that you wanted to do. Yeah, well, you know, my my primary, my primary, like my core, I have to have them fetishes are corruption, sexual humiliation, and power exchange. So I want to sort of own you, um, make you do things that make you come and cry simultaneously, preferably in front of other people with shame. With shame. Uh, if you don't have shame, I don't have much of a use for you. Uh, and that's when you love someone that's hard to make peace with. And for me, the difference was understanding that there are people out there that feel unfulfilled without that. And once I could really embrace that there are people that that was, they were as empty without that, without receiving that as I was empty without giving that, then I could make peace with it. But even we had, we play here at home and we had a scene last week Mm -hmm. where I went, um, I went, deep into my girl space we i didn't i we had long days and i wanted to play with her but by the time we got around to it i was tired and i didn't think i was really in that much of a mood to play but i knew she was sort of up for it and i was like yeah sure whatever i'll hit some people and so i got all my toys out and we laid them out and we started playing and i just i went i went deep I went deep into some girl territory and very i was very little warm-up i was very mean the whole yeah. point was to be very mean and um, to this day, I still, when I hit new, a new depth in uh, my really seriously sadistic space, I can get to a place where I, I feel like I don't have uh, as much clarity around where she is at as a bottom as I would like. And whenever I feel like I'm losing track of how mean I am versus how, where she's at as a bottom, because she can get very nonverbal and lost when I'm especially mean to her. And so I take my responsibility to um, watch out for her very seriously. And so in this instance, I actually ended the play a little earlier than I absolutely had to because I felt like I was losing track of of her best interest as it relates to my enjoyment of hitting her. And so for me, getting meaner has been an incremental trip into that same space where each time I can go a little bit further and learn to trust my intuition about where she's at as I'm doing mean things to her. And when I'm comfortable with with my sense of where she's at, then I can go a little bit further along. So it's been, you know, a years long process of being slowly a meaner to her in different ways. And what you mean is that there are, there are a few times where the play is so psychological and, and whatever that I, I should probably read, but I, in the moment I don't, 
I just don't. I, I think I can keep going, and then uh, well, you're a trooper at heart. You're 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 a trooper. I'm game. I'm GGG. So there will be some points where um, I will just. Uh, or there was one interrogation scene where you stopped me, and it was a good thing that you did because I I thought I could keep going, but um, yeah, I was taxed out. And that is part of the top's job, is even without the safe word, being aware enough to go, ah, actually, I think this might be too far. Yeah. Yes. Although there is, it isn't, it, it is a skill, it is a goal, it is something the tops strive to do, but that does not make it their responsibility to be psychic. There right. is that distinction. If you're a bottom and you don't read because you thought you could, but then it turns out the next day you couldn't, it sucks, and everyone will be sorry, but it isn't actually the top's fault that you didn't speak up. Yeah, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's to say that the one of the skills of an experienced, really good top is, is being able to uh, keep an awareness of that intuition and, and yeah. keep that in mind as it's going on. But yeah, do not do not be fooled into to thinking that uh, it, it's all the top. It's definitely a, a two-sided relationship all the time. But, you know, again, that's uh, a lot of endurance. He's extremely obs- observant of me at all times. And uh, I think you've mentioned that's part of, like, when you're first mastering flogging. is It can be exhausting because you're observing a lot, making sure that every time you're hitting the right spot, yes. that you're looking at the uh, bottom skin how it's responding, if it's warming up, if it's warming up too fast, how they're moving, even the little twitches, the nonverbal body body talk. I talk that a lot about the new tops that I train. It's it's sometimes easy to forget when you have so much to think about, when you're thinking about what your arm's doing, what their skin's doing, what you want to do next, how you're going to transition from thing to thing. It's easy to forget that the person you're hitting is a person and to also be paying attention to... Um, where you think they are at psychologically. And to get a little bit back on, on, on the previous topic, I, I think it's I think it's an interesting challenge that a lot of people, not just the tops, but the bottoms too, have to uh, fight that awareness of self and accept these, what society would call maybe darker urges, either yeah. to, to hurt or to be hurt, and to be able to say... You know, this is me, and this is something that I can enjoy. I can enjoy, and not just this is me, and this is weird, or this is me, and this is wrong, or this is me, and this is something I need to hide. Uh, and being able to bring that out and share it in a constructive way with somebody that shares, you know, balances that scale can be really important. I think. Yeah, I, I think there's an element of um, of finding the place where you can still have. You can still maintain excellent self-esteem and also want to be beat up, dragged across room, and peed on. I think that I think that we are enculturated to feel that those Always things fun. are are what? Always, Always fun. fun. Yes, yeah. I think that we're enculturated <laughs> to find those things to be mutually exclusive. And I think part of the task of of embracing DS is realizing that that's that's a fictional construct. That there is nothing there's nothing about wanting to be hit or wanting to be degraded or wanting to be humiliated in a very specific context that has anything to do with your self-esteem or anything to do with what kind of a person you are or anything to do with uh, the quality of person that you are. And the the same thing is a lot of submissives are like, oh, I can't be a submissive because I want to be a CEO. And those things aren't mutually exclusive. You can be all of those things simultaneously. Or what I've heard more is feminist. Yes, oh, feminist, I get that a lot. 
is how can I be a, a proud woman and submit? How can yeah. I want to do somebody's laundry for them and still fight for, you know, the recognition of woman as a person compared to this this fifties, you know, servant? And I think that building that building that in between, building that construct between a thing that one chooses and a thing that one's forced into is extremely important. Well, again, I think self-awareness really helps. I think we had a friend, I wish I could remember, who mentioned recently they knew or worked with a very religious uh, person whose husband was definitely a service boy. Oh, that was me. It's one of my coworkers. Oh, one of your coworkers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, hear, I hear at work all the time, like, they're, they're a, a very, um, very conservative religious person. Uh, I think they're Jehovah's Witness. And I'm like, oh, I hope, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm not out, out at work, but I'm not... I'm not good at self-editing, I guess is the real reason. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, if we, if we work now pretty close together. I'm like, well, this is going to come out eventually. And uh, I keep hearing them talk about how, oh, her husband gives her a mani and petty, and her husband cooks her dinner, her husband makes her this, and her husband does her hair, and her husband does... I'm like, oh, this all sounds really familiar to me. <laughs> so I don't know if they know what they are, but I know what they are. And hopefully they're happy, because I also know of other couples where they're completely unaware of their uh, dynamic and... My parents... <laughs> oh, yes. And and people suffer for it because, for example, uh, the subs doing something and the dom doesn't understand quite what the, their demands are doing, and and you know, vice versa. Well, this well is, it's this an, it's entirely without uh, negotiation and planning. Yeah, yeah no this, negotiation, no consent. This is very appropriate to the conversation about how to make it work every day. Uh, what about your your friend who was now recently single, based exactly on this that we were going to be seeing. Uh, as soon as we're done with this. Oh, that's that's why uh, I was mentioning that. Yeah, I have a friend who, for um, almost a decade, I think, was a, a service sub, but um, unnegotiated, unnegotiated, and uh, his partner was not aware of that and just kept making more and more demands. And what the problem ended up being was that uh, he enjoyed being a service sub, but their dynamic had no negotiation and allowed for no negotiation, so he had no way to draw the line of, I love doing these things. And I hate doing these things, so let's let's make these the things that I'm responsible for and these things that I'm not responsible for. They, they couldn't make that distinction because they couldn't have that conversation. And eventually it destroyed their relationship after almost 10 years because they couldn't have the conversation of doing this makes me feel taken for granted, but doing this turns me on. Doing this is satisfying to me, but doing these other things just makes me feel like you're lazy. And they had no context for that conversation, and it destroyed everything. Which makes you feel for certain quote-unquote vanilla couples or couples who still think they're vanilla or identify as vanilla or anything under, under that umbrella who don't have that uh, vocabulary or knowledge or willingness to talk about it. Yeah, so anyone who thinks that negotiating takes the romance out of it or takes the sexiness out of BS, um, not negotiating can take a lot of the fun out of everything. And one other thing I would add is from my background... Um, Part of what went uh, south with my long-term vanilla relationship was that he was an addict, and I had to come to realize that I was being very codependent, which was the most dirty fucking word that my therapist could have told me uh, at the time, and it took me a year to come to terms with it and r deal through that, but it was one of the most amazing wake-up calls of my life. But I think it's really interesting to think about from the perspective of a submissive because I just uh, looked it up. Uh, the definition of codependency is excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one with an illness or addiction. 
So a lot of that uh, over-dependency on a partner can definitely happen to me or rehappen or happen again to me as a submissive because I rely so much on my partner's guidance and on serving him and, you know, doting on him. And especially in this poly dynamic, I'm finding that I have to find a lot of my um, support in other ways. I have to find uh, validation through other sources. And that is not something that comes easy to me as a recovering codependent. So do you have or do you make a sort of a self space to, to block all of the commitments and relationships out and assess where you are so that you can assess those relationships, you know, from a somewhat separate view and, and make sure that you're not falling into previous patterns? Is, is that something that you set it that you set aside intentionally or is that something that you just approach Stop giving sort of as them. it comes? Yeah. <laughs> um, in the past I've done it only once it was becoming a problem again. So now I'm checking it more often. I'm I take it as a responsibility upon myself, and um, yeah, I, I I try to see my friends on my own. Um, you try to have your own friends. Yeah, I have my own friends, but uh, especially now that I don't have school and I have a lot more time, trying to create my own little communities and and uh, activities that I'm a part of. And I only bring it up because this is something that I've seen in other relationships, that I've seen in abusive relationships yeah. where things have gone wrong, is that lack of ability to self-analyze. But also I've seen in relationships that were otherwise healthy but without that space began being questioned mm -hmm. unduly because, you know, it just became like, well, I'm not allowed to question it, so it must be a problem. So I, I think for anybody that's looking to get into any kind of relationship really but uh, especially something that has a DS element to it having that secure space that you can step back to and, and say okay this is me this is what I want this is what I have this is a good thing or this is what I want this is what I have this is not where I want to be uh, is really essential to being able to make the educated clear decision to either keep on or change what's going on and as a top, being able to do the same thing, being able to step back and say, you know, this is the power that I want, this is the power that I have, this is what I've given up, this is what I haven't, and, you know, decide if, you know, that that's how you want to continue in the relationship is also, uh, you know, instrumental. Well, I think that one of, for me, when I, when I look at other tops, when I look at other relationships, to me, one of the hallmarks of a good top uh, versus a not-so-good top is their level of awareness and concern about helping their uh, bottom uh, achieve their life goals. Your bottom has goals, your bottom has needs, your bottom has a life, your bottom has an arc that they want to accomplish. And any, as far as I'm concerned, any top worth their salt will be aware of <coughs> what their bottom needs, what their goals are, if they want to graduate school, if they want to pursue a certain career, if they want to accomplish a certain goal. Part of what makes a good top is someone who can, within the context of their DS relationship, help their bottom achieve those goals and be supportive of what they want to accomplish and be enthusiastic about them meeting the mile markers along the way. I don't think that it necessarily means that the top becomes uh, in charge of that goal and telling them how to achieve it, but they should be 
supportive of that goal and be willing to structure the expectations of their dynamic around the needs of their submissive meeting the life goals that they have for themselves. I think that's a that's a pretty good place to wrap up for today. Yeah. Um, so if you've got any questions for uh, Maximo Hottentot or Titi Von Suckle PhD, we will absolutely be having them on the podcast again later on. So yes. please send us a, send us any questions you have to uh, podcast at kinkykiki.com or tweet us at kinky uh, kinky or get a hold of us on kinky underscore and geeky at on. Facebook or FetLife, <laughs> not Facebook. Facebook's not so fetish friendly. No, no, it's not. Um, you know, and all of this stuff, uh, the links and everything, will be in the show notes. Uh, uh, so, safe, sane, consensual. Uh, have fun. You've been listening to Kinky and Geeky. This podcast has been distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial share-like license. That means that you can share us, remix us, match us up, or whatever. Just give us credit and don't make money off us. Can I add one last oh, message absolutely. for the kids? Yeah. Um, this one's for the kids. This one's for the kids. Um, a blowjob is not a hand job pointed at your mouth. That is not a blowjob. It's an awesome thing. A hand job is a beautiful thing. I enjoy that very much. But you have to put your mouth on the cock. That's why I fondly call it a mouth hug. You have to have your mouth on the cock. Otherwise, she, she's going to be a teacher, ladies and gentlemen. You, you can call it you can call it like a a, a Catholic blowjob or a, a, a simulation. You can call it a simulation because you know every sperm is sacred. You don't want to waste it. I'm I'm going to direct Titty Von Suckle to an amazing podcast that I listen to purely based on this, um, so that she can verify. Thank you. This concept of the perfect blowjob to give and as well I guess to Maximo so that he has the <laughs> say on I, I fully agree at this point um, as someone who has received a blowjob similar uh, but Katie, having sex with Katie Morgan go listen to her podcast alright um, thank you link in I the will, show notes yeah I'll, I will hunt down a link for the specific podcast We've mentioned it before because they did a they have a bit on their podcast called Say It Sexy where they did the and then uh, conversation from Dude Where's My Car. Um, and they did it Say It Sexy, which was disturbingly arousing. No and then. <laughs> it's not nearly as sexy when Fox says it. No, it's not. Um, Nothing is. <laughs> but uh, actually I think it's in that same podcast. Where um, they, as professional porn stars, give tips on the best blowjob. So we'll put that in the show notes. So, so my tagline is safe, sane, consensual, and yours is here's the best blowjob. All right. Have a week. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Godzilla! <laughs> uh, Thank you I very much. I really awesome. like the bizarre Sergeant Pepper in the background. For <laughs> Don't know if it actually picked this, this, up. This is going to be a little Pepper. weird. Well, I have it unfiltered right now. I can actually filter out a bunch of that background. Okay, sound, cool. So.
My, my name feels very short now. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm actually, honestly, in my head, I'm trying to start a trend where everyone that comes on our show comes up with the most ridiculous name possible. I figured it was time we started. I thought all these well-thought-out names were a waste. 